There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard round the world. Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boys, David Crockett, and Lee. Coming to you from the D-Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread America. The one and only Don Q. guys how's everybody doing out there today it is sunday october 15th 2023 and i am on vacation so you're hearing this in a time lapse of whenever i recorded it and programmed it to upload on the 15th you're welcome but in the meantime guys make sure whatever podcast app you're listening to this on you are following the show, you subscribe, you share, all that fun stuff. It is free. Doesn't cost you one freaking penny. And uh, to offset the freeness of this greatness that is the DTOM show, I just encourage you guys to please go to the DTOM store located on the app in which you are listening to this on. Just scroll down there a little bit. You'll see the website www.donttreadonamerica.com. Right next to that, you'll see DTOM store. You click on that, or you can even go to the website and hit the hit the menu options, and it'll be Detom Store. Either I'm like technical, I'm savvy like a mother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so check out the Detom Store, guys. Plenty of stuff. I know it's getting cold, cooler around the country. I got some hoodies in there. If you live in Florida or Southern Cal or Texas or wherever, you can get some T-shirts, some shorts. Uh, check it out. All you're doing is supporting the show. I, you know, I don't really see any of that money. The way I have the account set up is for it to pay for the websites. That's it. So really, you're just helping me with the show. Um, as much as you can is greatly appreciated. Guys, help help a brother out. Okay? Also, if you are on social media, you can check us out at Don't Tread on America on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and the Ticker Talker. And uh, on the, I'm sorry, I'm doing two different things at the same time. You, you know how it is. Come on, man. Check us out on uh, the the fucking a. What's it called? The, the X machine. <laughs> Twitter X. Whatever the fuck. Um, check that out. Uh, we are dtom underscore seventeen seventy five. And uh, if you want to follow me personally, it's pcgc underscore seventeen seventy five. And uh, I think that's it. You can go to the website, www.doctrinalamerica.com, and from there you can follow everything. And uh, you want to hit me up on the email machine there, it's uh, donq at doctrinalamerica.com. All sorts of ways for you all to get in touch with me, yell at me, tell me how great I'm doing with the show, whatever. <laughs> Anywho, all right, so what I'm going to do today... Um, right now, right now, as you hear my voice, I'm not actually in the free state of Florida. I'm in Kentucky, probably sipping on some bourbon right now, even though it's not right now, but it will be when you hear this. It's great. It's going to be great. Um, so I'm going to do this show. I got some stuff here that I want to talk about, 
and uh, I thought it was interesting as I as I started. I was you know curious. That's that's a whole point of me doing this show is my curiosity. And so as I was being curi- curiousized, I started thinking. So in this country, we've had four presidents assassinated, right? Um, Bob, Fred, Michael, and Jimmy, right? No, it was uh, Lincoln, obviously Lincoln and Kennedy we know about. Uh, Garfield and uh, another guy. I can't think of his name offhand because we're not going to talk about him on these articles. So what's going to happen is I'm probably going to ramble for a solid hour about these situations. I'm going to go through the history of presidential assassinations and attempted presidential assassinations and what the banking, the Federal Reserve and the banking cartel, the Freemasons, the foundation of this country, what all this has to do with the the assassinations of presidents. And in talking, you know, as I started reading this stuff, and, uh, you know, talking to Chris, and I was like, you know, it's amazing if you look at a lot of these assassinations and attempts and situations where presidents were trying to do certain things against the, um, against the Federal Reserve or the, the Rothschild family one of, or the eight families, it always coincided with an attempted assassination, a, a successful assassination, and war of some sort. And it's interesting, and it, and it kind of goes, it's kind of like the old, same old playbook. And you'll see as I go through all this stuff, and we're going to start from the beginning of this country, and you'll understand, you, you might even get a little upset at some of the names I'm going to talk to talk about. And, and when we think of the foundation of this country, we think of the founding fathers, right? We think of George Washington and uh, the the rest of them right now, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, uh, you know John Quincy Adams, you know so on and so forth, and and even ones that weren't presidents, you know Paul Revere, and uh, Sam uh, Sam Sam Johnson, right? No, Sam Samuel Adams, and you know those people, Benjamin Benjamin Franklin, and and you're gonna find interesting how when we are taught history from young, when we're in school, middle, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, we're taught how these gentlemen founded this country and they all got along and everyone agreed on everything and you'll come to find that that's not necessarily the case and you had some people had a vision one way and some people had a vision this way and it's going to be interesting once i name once i name the names and tell you the uh, secret societies that they were part of versus the ones that weren't the ideas and how they were operating and what led to some of these individuals getting killed or attempted to be killed. Now, with that being said, I will talk for about an hour. If if I don't cover everything I want to talk about, then I will end the show and we will part two this. So I, I find it extremely interesting and it makes me wonder what the future holds. And it kind of answers a lot of questions why more current presidents haven't gone down this path of righteousness. And it probably will explain everything you need to know. Okay, so. In the year one. No. In, <laughs> okay, so real quick. We'll run through this. I, I say real quick, but it won't be. In uh, 1789... Alexander Hamilton became the first Treasury Secretary of the United States. Hamilton was one of the many founding fathers who were Freemasons. He had a uh, close relations with the Rothschilds family, which owns... I have to turn that down a little bit. It seems awful loud. Maybe it's not, but anyway, it is in my ears. Owns the Bank of England and leads the European Freemason, Freemason movement. Now, before I read on, um, I've talked about the Rothschilds and the banks they own and stuff like that. What's going to happen here is this will kind of clear the picture up, and you're gonna, and it's going to be kind of shocking to hear some of the other names that are involved in this. So, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, John Jay, uh, Ethan Allen, Samuel Adams, pa- Patrick Henry, John Brown, and Roger Sherman were all 
Masons. Roger Livingston helped Sherman and Franklin write the Declaration of Independence. He gave George Washington his oaths of office while he was a Grand Master of New York, Grand Lodge of Freemasons. Washington himself was a Grand Master of the Virginia Lodge. Of the general officers in the Revolutionary Army, 33, oddly enough, were Masons. This was highly symbolic since the 33rd degree Mason becomes illuminated. Okay? Populist. Populist. Sometimes <laughs> I say popping and there's popping. Let me get a sip here. Populist founding fathers led by John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and Thomas Paine, none of whom were Masons, wanted to completely sever ties with the British crown. So I'm going to stop right there. I did a show not all that long ago talking about the British crown and how the Revolutionary War wasn't what we thought it was. If you guys go back. And um, so we're reading this, right? We're talking about this and you think, okay, well, what the fuck was the Revolutionary War about? Exactly. Okay. So, but we're overruled by the Masonic faction led by Washington, Hamilton, and uh, <clears throat> Grand Master of the St. Andrew's Lodge in Boston, General, General, General Joseph Warren, who wanted to defy Parliament but remain loyal to the Crown. St. Andrew's Lodge was a new hub of, was the hub, I'm sorry, of New York, of, God bless Don, I'm trying, like I'm reading ahead without reading. St. Andrew's Lodge was the hub of New World Masonry and began issuing Knights Templars degrees in 1769. All U.S. Masonic Lodges are to this day warranted by the British Crown, whom they serve as Global Intelligence and Counter-Revolutionary Subversion Network. Their most recent initiative is the Masonic Child Identification Program, or CHIP. According to Wikipedia, the CHIP program allows parents to op uh, the opportunity to create a kit of identifying materials for their child free of charge. The kit contains a fingerprint card, a physical description, a video computer disc or DVD of the child, a dental imprint, and a DNA sample. The First Continental Congress convened in uh, Philadelphia in 1774 under the presidency of Peyton Randolph, who succeeded Washington as the Grand Master of the Virginia Lodge. The Second Continental Congress convened in 1775 under the presidency of Freemason John Hancock. Peyton's brother, William, succeeded him as a Virginia Lodge Grand Master and became the leading proponent of centralized and federalism at the first con uh, Constitution Constitutional Convention in 1787. The federalism at the heart of the U.S. Constitution is identical to the federalism laid out in the Freemasons' Andrew Constitutions of 1723. William Randolph became the nation's first attorney general and secretary of state under George Washington. His family returned to England loyal to the crown. John Marshall's, um, the nation's first Supreme Court justice, was also a Mason. When Benjamin Franklin journeyed to France to seek financial help for the American revolutionaries, his meeting took place at Rothschild's banks. He brokered arms sales via German Mason uh, bond, bond, Baron von Steuben. His committees of correspondence operated through Freemason channels and paralleled a British spy network. In 1776, Franklin became de facto ambassador to France. In 1779, he became grandmaster of the French Neuf Serres Lodge, which John Paul Jones, not the bassist for Led Zeppelin, and Voltaire belonged. Franklin was also a member of the more secretive Royal Lodge of uh, Commanders of the Temple West of Carcassonne, whose members included Fat, uh, Fatrick, Frederick, <laughs> Prince of Wales. Why Franklin preached temperance in the U.S., he cavorted widely with his Lodge brothers in Europe. Franklin served as a postmaster general from 1750s to 1775, a role traditionally regulated, relegated to 
British spies. With Rothschild's financing, Alexander Hamilton founded two New York banks, including Bank of New York. He died in a gun battle with Aaron Burr, who founded the Bank of Manhattan with Kuhn Loeb financing. So you got to ask your question, you know, was this a turf situation? Maybe, I don't know. You've heard about the the duel between Raymond uh, Aaron Burr and uh, Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton exemplified the contempt which the eight families hold towards common people. Now, I talked about the eight families the other day. I'm, I'm working on a show about the eight families. It'll probably be when I get back from vacation. So it's going to be interesting, trust me. All communities. Now, this is back in the 1700s. This is when the country was new. Okay? Tell me how this doesn't sound familiar as it's happening right now. All communities divide themselves into the few and the many. The first are the rich and the well-born. The others, the mass of the people. The people are turbulent and changing. They seldom judge and determine right. Give therefore to the first class a distinct permanent share of government. They will check the unsteadiness of the second. So, essentially saying that you have two classes of people. Like in nowadays, they say you have the lower, middle, and upper classes, right? And essentially, that's not true. When it comes to, I mean, it's true if you if you look at the definition of those three things. Your lower class, you know, make under a certain dollar amount. Your middle class make between a certain dollar amount. And your upper class are upper, right? But in all actuality, I think it's pretty much a situation where you've heard the term one percenters. Where the one percent needs to pay their fair share, right? We've heard that term. And the funny thing about that term is the people that say those words are the one percent. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that the people that rule over us and it's not just in this country. This is a world thing. Every country has the same situation. Are the 1% of that country. So why do they rule over us? And the many, which is us, everyone under that one, the 99%. You know, if you live in a country that's, you know, democratic and you vote leaders in, we supposedly are responsible for that. Now, the reason I say supposedly, because that's assuming that the voting uh, situation is legit, right? And which has come into question a little more in recent times, not just talking about Trump and Biden, but in the last couple of elections, you've had questions of voting tampering, whether on either, on either side. Mm. So... Hamilton was only the first in a series of eight families cronies to hold the key position of uh, Treasury Secretary. In recent times, Kennedy Treasury Secretary Douglas Dillon came from Dillon Reed, now part of UBS Warburg. Nixon's Treasury Secretaries David Kennedy and William Simon came from Continental Illinois, Illinois Bank, now part of Bank of America. And the Salman Brothers now part of Citigroup. Respectively, Carter's Treasury Secretary, Michael Blumenthal, came from Goldman Sachs. Reagan's Treasury Secretary, Donald Reagan, uh, came from Merrill Lynch, now part of Bank of America. Bush Sr.'s Treasury Secretary, Nicholas Brady, came from Dylan Reed. And both Clinton Treasury Secretaries, Robert Rubin and Bush Jr., Treasury Secretary, Henry Paulson, came from uh, Goldman Sachs, Obama's Treasury Secretary Teeth, or Tim Geithner, worked at uh, Kissinger Associates in the New York Fed. So, essentially, all your Treasury Secretaries in the in recent history have come from a group of these people. Whether they worked for the Fed, well, they work for the Fed. That's government. No, no, no. The Federal Reserve is not a government entity. It's a private bank, guys. It's a private bank. Do me a favor. If you have a dollar bill, 5, 10, 20, 50, 100, whatever you got in your pocket right now, pull it out. Look at that piece of paper. And I've talked about this. Me and Chris did a show a long time ago, and we talked about this. And I had him pull out a dollar, and I said, now, 
Look at that dollar bill. What does it say? You don't own that money. Oh, it's my money. It's in my pocket. You don't own that money. You are borrowing that money. And you are borrowing that money from the Federal Reserve. It is a Federal Reserve note. It is not your money. See, we are led to believe in this country that our money is our money. When, if if you look at your paycheck every week or every two, however you get paid, you'll see that you, you, I, I'm saying you, I'm me too, but us Americans, we have to pay a fee to the Federal Reserve to get our money. Did you know that? That's what FICA is. Okay? So, you pay your check, whatever your check dollar amount is, you you get federal taxes withheld, right? Then you pay FICA. Then you pay Social Security tax. And I talked about this a while back too, how Social Security, your number, right, is your slave number. You That's how they identify you. Your name means nothing. Your number is you. It's like a prison number. It's like a, a military ID. It's Your name doesn't mean shit. That number is you. And the money isn't yours. You're just borrowing it. And you pay to borrow it. And tell me that's not fucked up. Tell me that this whole situation isn't a fucking racket. With the gangsters sitting at the top. The Rothschilds. Control the uh, Federal Reserve. But we don't even think twice about it. And we just go about our business. Thomas Jefferson urged that the United States needed a publicly owned central bank so that European monarchs and aristocrats could not use the printing of money to control the affairs of the new nation. Jefferson extolled a country which expects to remain ignorant and free, expects that which has never been and that which will never be. There is scarcely a king and a hundred who would not, if he could, follow the example of Pharaoh, um, gets get first all the people's money, then all their lands, and then make them and their children servants forever. Banking establishments and more dangerous than standing armor, armies. Already they have raised up a money uh, uh, aristocracy. <laughs> aristocracy. Aristocracy. There we go. I can talk. I can talk. So essentially he's saying that with banks in control of governments, not just in this country, guys. I'm not talking just about America. I'm obviously this is what we're focusing on talk, focusing on American presidents, but the same thing happens around the world because these same people run the Bank of England, the Bank of Spain, the Bank of this, the Bank of that, the Bank of the It's just because in, in America we try to fool the citizens by saying it's the Federal Reserve. So most most of your Ask your neighbor. Ask your neighbor that's ignorant to the fact of anything that's going on. They just live their life. They go get Starbucks. They go to work. They don't fucking think twice about anything. Ask them who runs the Federal Reserve. I guarantee you they'll say the government. I guarantee you they tell you that. Because they're ignorant to the fact that it's a private bank. And I would even say probably in other countries if it's the bank of said country... They probably, a lot of these people probably think the same thing. Bank of England, also just the, 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 you know, the head bank of England. It's, uh, it's not. It's not. The bank, the England, the country, America, the country, we borrow money from those entities. Thus, the national, quote unquote, the national debt. Okay? So, where was I at? Um, blah, 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 banking, aristocrats. Okay, so Jefferson watched as the Euro banking conspiracy to control the United States unfolded, weighing in. Single acts of tyranny may be ascribed to the accident, accidental opinion of the day, but a series of oppressions begun at a distinguished period, unalterable through every change of ministers, to plainly prove a deliberate, systematic plan of reducing us to slavery. So this goes back to what I talked about with um, Lincoln and how bills were signed. You know, we ended slavery, but then we put everyone kind of in everyone in chains. 
because we were attuned to a federal bank. Not, I shouldn't say a federal bank. A privately controlled central bank versus a government controlled central bank. Okay? But the Rothschild sponsored Hamilton's uh, arguments for a private U.S. central bank carried the day. In 1791, the Bank of the United States was founded with the Rothschilds as the main owners. This is what it was called before they changed it to the Federal Reserve. The bank's charter was to run out in 1811. Public opinion ran in favor of revoking the charter and replacing it with Jeffersonian Public uh, Central Bank. The debate was postponed as the nation was plunged by the Euro bankers into the War of 1812. Hmm. Amidst the climate and fear economic hardships, Hamilton's bank got its charter renewed in 1816 after the war because we got plunged into a war with Great Britain again and we needed help. You know, we were relatively, I mean, what, the country is, what, 40 years old at this point? In 1828, um... Someone became something. Andrew Jackson took a run at the U.S. presidency. Throughout his campaign, he rallied, rallied, railed, I really can read, I swear to God I can, against the international bankers who controlled the Bank of the United States. Jackson ranted, You are a den of vipers. I intended to expose you by the eternal God. I will rout you out. If the people understood the rank injustices of our money and banking system, there would be a revolution before morning. And that I think those words hold true today. The problem is, is we are so blindsided and and easily manipulated into thinking that the words I'm saying are bullshit. This is Andrew Jackson's words. Jackson won the election and revoked the bank's charter, stating... The act seemed to be predicated on the erroneous idea that the president or the present shareholders have a prescriptive right to not only the favor but the bounty of the government. For their benefits, does this act exclude the whole American people from com- competition in the purchase of this monopoly? Present stake, uh, stockholders and those inheriting their rights as successors be established a privileged order clothed both with greater political power and enjoying immense pecuniary advantages from their connection with government, should its influence be concentrated under the operation of such an act as this, in the hands of such elected directory, whose interests are identified with those of the foreign stockholders, will there not be a cause to tremble for the independence of our country in war, controlling our currency, receiving our public's monies, and holding thousands of our citizens' independence? It would be more formidable and dangerous than a naval or military power of the enemy. It is to be regretted that the rich and powerful often bend the acts of government for selfish purpose. To make the rich richer and more powerful... Many of our rich men have not been content with equal protection and equal benefits, but have besought us to make them richer by acts of Congress. I have done my duty to this country. That was Bob Johnson, right? Andrew Jackson. It's weird because you ever seen the movie National Treasure when when, uh, Nicholas Cage are reading the uh, declaration? He's saying, you know, the, the preamble... And he's like, uh, people don't talk like that anymore. People don't. People don't talk like this. But tell me what he just said doesn't ring true right now. Populism prevailed and Jackson was reelected in 1835. He was the target of an assassination attempt. The gunman was Richard Lawrence who confessed that he was in touch with the powers in Europe. Still, in 1836, Jackson refused to renew the Bank of the United States Charter. Under his watch, U.S. national debt went to zero for the first and last time in our nation's history. I'm going to pause on that right now. Think about that. Now, granted, the country was only 60-some-odd years old at this point. But 
if if you compare apples to apples, the debt was just as great as it is now between coming out of the Revolutionary War, trying to build a nation, okay, starting then lo- going into the War of 1812, where a lot of infrastructure that was new was destroyed, the White House, you know, these types of things were destroyed by the uh, English armies. So had to be rebuilt. So that's a pretty strong statement considering the monies at the time that we had to borrow from foreign nations and from a central bank to rebuild this country. For this person to come in, be president for two terms and neutralize the central bank or the Federal Reserve, go to a government central bank where the money is based on the country's withholdings, okay, the country's values, value, and was able to bring the national debt to zero. In this country, nowadays, we are led to believe that the only way that's possible is two things. And really, really, I don't even know how true this is. And this probably begs a question to ask, like, people think, okay, uh, Russia. Russia's so poor. How can they afford war? How can they afford this? How can they afford that? Look at how poor Russia is. But is it? Russia doesn't have a Rothschild bank. You understand what I'm saying? They are self-financed, I guess is a good word. So it makes you wonder... If, like I've said this before, if we're in debt, how can we afford to give other countries money? If we weren't beholden to a third-party bank disguised as the quote-unquote Federal Reserve, would we even be broke? They try to tell us that there's two ways to fix this. Either we raise taxes or we reduce spending. I mean, obviously, it would probably have to be both of those because, like I said before, this country doesn't produce goods to sell to make money. They make their money from taking it from us. So um, so this angered international bankers whose primary income was derived from interest payments on debt. The Bank of the United States President Nicol- Nicholas Biddle cut off funding to the U.S. government in 1842, plunging the U.S. into a depression. Biddle was an agent for the Paris-based Jacob Rothschild. The Mexican War was simultaneously sprung on Jackson. A few years later, the Civil War was unleashed, with London bankers backing the Union and the French bankers backing, uh, French bankers backing the South. The Lehman family made a fortune smuggling arms into the South and cotton to the North. By 1861, the U.S. was $100 million in debt. New President Abraham Lincoln snubbed the Eurobankers again, issuing Lincoln greenbacks to pay Union Army bills. The Rothschild-controlled Times of London wrote, If that mischievous policy, which had its origins in the North American Republic, should become indurated down to a fixture, then that government will furnish its own money without cost. It will pay off its debts and be without debt. It will have the money necessary to carry its own or carry on its commerce. It will become prosperous beyond precedent in the history of the civilized governments of the world. The brains and the wealth of all countries will go to North America. That government must be destroyed or it will destroy every monarchy on the globe. Now, think about that. Here you have a president that said, we're not doing central banking. We're not doing that. You have the people that controlled the central banks say, well, if they do that, they're going to ruin the rest of the world because no one's going to want to do business with anyone else. They're just going to do business with America. Interesting, right? The Euro banker written hazard circular was exposed and targeted through the country by anger, angry populace. It stated the great debt that capitalists will see is made of the war and must be controlled the value of money. To accomplish this, government bonds must be used as a bank banking basis. We are now awaiting Secretary of Treasury Salmon Chase hmm, 
to make that recommendation. It will not allow greenbacks to circulate as money as we cannot control that. We control bonds through them banking issues. An 1863 National Banking Act reinstated the private U.S. Central Bank and Chase's war bonds were issued. Lincoln was re-elected the next year vowing to repeal the act. He took his oath in January of 1865. Before he could act, he was assassinated at Ford's Theater by John Wilkes Booth. Booth had major connections to international bankers. His granddaughter wrote, one, this one mad act, which details Booth's contact with mysterious Europeans just before Lincoln's assassination. Following the Lincoln hit, Booth was uh, whisked away by members of the secret society known as the Knights of the Golden Circle. The, the KGC once had close ties to the French Society of Sessions, which produced Karl Marx. The KGC, which had f- uh, fomented much of the tension that caused the Civil War, and President Lincoln had specifically targeted the group. Booth was a KGC member and connected through the Confederate States uh, Secretary of State, Judah Benjamin, to the House of the Rothschilds. Benjamin fled to England after the Civil War. Nearly, nearly, nearly a century after Lincoln was assassinated for issuing greenbacks, President JFK found himself in the eight families' crosshairs. Kennedy had announced a crackdown on offshore tax havens and proposed tax increases uh, rates in large oil and mining companies. He supported eliminating tax loopholes, which benefited the super-rich. His economic policies were publicly attacked by Fortune magazines. The Wall Street Journal and both and both David and Nelson Rockefeller, even Kennedy's own tre- Treasury Secretary Douglas Dillon, who came from the UBS uh, War Board Control Dillon Reed Investment Bank, voiced his opposition to JFK's proposals. Kennedy's fate was sealed on June of 63 when he authorized the issuance of more than $4 billion in U.S. states' notes by the Treasury Department in an attempt to circumvent the high interest rates usury of the private Federal Reserve international banker crowd. The wife of Lee Harvey Oswald, who was conveniently gunned down by Jack Ruby before Ruby shot himself. Uh, I'm sorry, before Ruby himself was shot. (laughs) Told author A.G. Weberman in 1994, the answer to Kennedy's assassination is with the Federal Reserve. Don't underestimate that. It's wrong to blame it on Angleton and the CIA per se. The only one thing, finger on the same hand, the people who supply the money are above the CIA. Fueled by incoming President uh, Lyndon Johnson's immediate uh, escalations of the Vietnam War, the U.S. sank further into debt. Its citizens were terrorized into silence. If they could kill the president, they can kill anyone. So, what does it all mean? So, let's break this down. So, let's... Let's talk about um, let's talk about Lincoln. So, the first president murdered. Now we talked about Andrew Jackson. He wasn't killed; it was an attempt. But he was surrounded by war, eighteen twelve, and the war of uh, this whatever the other one was, Spanish War, whatever it was, Mexican War. Anyway, the U.S. president's murder by Rothschild Jewish Mafia was Lincoln. The second murder by them was Garfield, and the third was JFK. Now, we didn't get into Garfield. I'm going to get in him here. I don't know if I'll get into it this show. It'll probably be later, so I want to hit um, Lincoln and Kennedy. Or, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We're going on 40 minutes, so let's just keep going here. So, Lincoln's private war, the trail of blood. Abraham Lincoln worked valiantly to provide to prevent the Wolf Wolf. Rothschild's attempt to involve themselves in financing the Civil War. Interestingly, it was the Tsar of Russia who provided the need, needed assistance against the British and French, who were among the driving forces behind the succession of the South and her subsequent financing. Russia intervened by providing naval forces for the Union blockade of the South in Euro- European waters and by letting both countries know that if they attempted to join the Confederacy with military force, they would also have to go to war with Russia. The Rothschild Mafia succeeded as their agent, Treasury Secretary Salmon Chase, forced a bill, the National Banking Act, through Congress, creating a federally charted central bank that had the power to issue U.S. banknotes. Afterwards, Lincoln warned that the American people 
Lincoln's quote, the money power preys upon the nation in a time of peace and uh, conspires against it in a time of adversity. It is more despotic than monarchy, more insolent than uh, auto, autocracy. <laughs> I want to say autocracy, autocracy, more selfish than bureaucrat, bureaucracy. I see in the near future a crisis approaching that unnerves me and causes me to tremble for the safety of our country. Corporations have been enthroned. An era of corruption will follow, and the money power of the country will endeavor to prolong its reign by working upon the prejudice of the people until the wealth is uh, aggregated in a few hands and the public is destroyed. Now, this is in a time when corporations weren't like they are nowadays. There was a few major corporations back in these days. So you got to imagine if it was that corrupt back then, what's it like nowadays? Lincoln's attempted success in influencing Congress to limit the life of the Bank of the United States to just war years, motivating factor behind the assassination by the mafia. Evidence links uh, agents of the Bank of Rothschilds, Lincoln Secretary of War Edwin Stanton, and John Wilkes Booth, plus eight co-conspirators, plus 70 government officials and businessmen in the assassination. Booth's diary had 18 pages ripped out containing the names, but were later found in an attic of one of Stanton's descendants. Um, linked Booth in a coded message directly to Judah Benjamin, the Civil War campaign manager of the South for the House of the Rothschild. When the war ended, the key to the code was found in Benjamin's possession. The mafia portrayed the, assassinate, uh, the assassin as a crazed lone gunman with a few radical friends, escaped by the way of uh, only bridge in Washington, not guarded by Stanson's troop. Booth was located hiding in the barn near Port Royal, Virginia, three days after escaping from Washington. Shot by a soldier named Boston Corbett, who fired without orders. Whether or not the man killed was Booth is still a matter of uh, contention. But the fact that remains that whoever it was, he had no chance to identify himself. Rothschild's mafia agent, Secretary of War Stanton, made the final identification. The real John Wilkes Booth escaped with Stanton's assistance. Mary Todd Lincoln, upon hearing of her husband's death, began screaming, Oh, that dreadful house of Rothschild's. Thomas House, a gunrunner, financier, and agent of the Rothschilds during the Civil War, linked to an anti-Lincoln pro-banker interest. So, right? So the second president killed by the Jewish mafia, the Rothschilds, was James Garfield, 20th president. He had been previously been chairman of the House Committee on Appropriations and was an expert on fi uh, fiscal matters. President Garfield openly declared that whoever controls the supply of currency would, would control the business and activities of all people. After only four months in office, President Garfield was shot at a railroad station on July 2nd, 1881. And I guess that's just another coincidence. So, I think, I think I'm going to stop there. I know I've, I've only been going 45 minutes. And the reason I want to stop there is because I'm done talking. No. I want to get into Kennedy. That's what she said. No. Um, and it's, it's not a short jaunt. Okay? So, um, and I, I don't want to run long. I'd rather be able to split this up into two shows. Um, but I'll give you a tease here. President Kennedy planned to exterminate the Federal Reserve System. In 1963, he signed Executive Order EO-11 and EO-110. I'll get into those in the next show. Returning to the government, the responsibility to print money. Taking that privilege away from the Rothschilds uh, Federal Reserve. Shortly thereafter, he was assassinated. So I'm going to leave it at that. We're going to get into those executive orders and what happened with the Federal Reserve and why President Kennedy was killed. And also, I'm going to do a little due diligence and find out that fourth president. <laughs> 
So, anywho, guys, the reason I'm doing this is because when we think of presidents that were assassinated or attempted to be assassinated, the story is the same. One person did something. Booth. Lee Harvey. Right? It's always one person. One lone... And so you figure, when was the last president that was attempted assassination was Reagan? And that was, what, in 80, 81, whatever? So you're talking 40-some-odd years we haven't had any viable attempt of an assassination. Now, we've heard stories of different situations of, you know, Obama being threatened or Trump being threatened and, you know, but how viable are those stories? I find it interesting that you haven't had an attempt on a president's life since Reagan, and you have to wonder why. Is it because they finally figured it out? Because the only time any of these presidents find any kind of adversity where they might actually get killed is when they go against these people. You figure we're on, what, President 47? So you've had four killed? So what's that, 10%? I mean, considering how much hatred and angst go towards these these men, no matter what side of the aisle they're on, whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, whatever, you always have one side. Whoever the president is, you always have the other side hating that person. You have, you know, idle threats. You had like the gentleman a couple months ago in, uh, what was that, in Cleveland, somewhere up there, where the FBI killed him because he threatened the president. I'm sure there's a lot more to that story that we don't know, but he he said words. He didn't actually try, right? Um, so you, you got to imagine that every president, especially in modern time, has had someone say something kooky about that person, but you only have a handful of attempts or successful uh, assassinations. And you have to ask, why is that? Is it because you had a handful of presidents that defied these people and the rest of them are like, fuck that shit? You guys do you. Every president in recent memory, they don't talk anything about stopping these people, eliminating the Federal Reserve. You know, you don't hear about that. Now, the most recent thing of any any kind of substance is when they started talking about central bank digital currency. But that doesn't necessarily, it's not the same thing as getting rid of the Fed. It's just the central bank will be the Federal Reserve that issues out the currency. It's, it's the same difference. It'd be curious to see a president or a front runner, okay, actually come out and say, if I'm elected president, I will abolish the Federal Reserve. And I will, I mean, because Kennedy, one of the things too was with him, Besides the, and it might be in this executive order, but he wanted to audit the Fed, which is something that Rand Paul has talked about. And it just gets scoffed off. You have someone like Rand Paul talk about wanting to audit the Fed, and the other 99 senators just laugh at him. So, why are they laughing? Is it because we're not going to do that shit because I'm not trying to get killed? Or is it a thing where they, like most of the country, whenever you talk opposite of whatever the popular opinion is, they look at you like, oh God, there's a tinfoil hat situation. Oh my God, here we go. Jesus Christ, it's just the Federal Reserve. Do we, um, what was it, in the 70s, I think? Was it, I think it might have been under Nixon when they wanted to count the money and the, count the gold in the Fort Knox? Right? And they did like one room, two rooms. <laughs> and the funny thing about that is it, there could have been trillions of dollars worth of gold in Fort Knox. Guess what? Our money isn't backed by gold. And our money 
even if it's the uh, U.S.'s gold, our money has nothing to do with that gold. Our money is controlled by a third party. That's the misnomer in all this. Our money's not controlled by our government. When we talk about the national debt, it's legitimately a debt. Like you or me are in debt. If you have a credit card or you have a bank or you know a car loan or a house note, you're in debt to whoever is holding that note. If you have uh, you know, a credit card, a Visa, and let's say uh, Bank of America or whoever, and you owe five grand on that card, you owe that you owe that bank five grand. You're in debt to them for five grand. They hold your money. They control that debt. It's not controlled by you. It's controlled by them. Same difference. We're 33 whatever trillion dollars in debt. Who You ask the question, who are we in debt to? It's our bank, it's our money. No, it's not. Now, my question is, and I've asked this time and time again, if you, <laughs> we've all been down this road, okay? I'm 50 years old. I've had credit issues and I've fixed credit issues and I'm, I'm fine now. But, you know, when I was younger, I was stupid. You know, you run up a credit card, two, three grand, whatever. And you're like, you know what? I don't have the fucking money to pay for that shit. So do I pay them $100 a month or do I just have $100 in my pocket to stop paying that bill? Now, granted, it fucks your credit up. I get that. But I've often asked this question. You've heard recently them talk, oh, the, the such and such downgraded America's credit rating or whatever. And it's like, if we... <laughs> and, and maybe I'm asking a stupid question because I really don't know the answer. But if we as a country control our own destiny we control our own money fuck the federal reserve fuck the rothschilds fuck all these motherfuckers right if the united states says we're not dealing with you motherfuckers anymore but you're 33 trillion dollars in debt come and fucking collect come and collect your fucking money right what are you going to do about it the problem is there's too many people that are scared of these people when is, when is someone just going to have the balls to say, fuck you, we're we're canceling the Federal Reserve, we don't want to deal with y'all no more, oh, you're $33 trillion in debt. I don't care. You guys have fun with your money, and we're going to party. So, anyway, with that being said, guys, it is the 15th of October. I'm still on vacation drinking some whiskey. Uh, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day, and I'll talk to you again on uh, Tuesday. See you later.